Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. One thing that we'll all experience at some point in our life is grief, but we're not always prepared on how to deal with it. And I speak about this with actor and sports journalist Louis Belletta in this episode of Iggy's Sports Talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold up. Into the whole show. Welcome back into Iggy Sports Talk. I'm your host, Iggy Nazuski, or Iggy for short. In this episode, we're going to be talking about a subject that we all go through at some point in our life, but we never know how to deal with it when it's happening to ourselves or to other people. And that's grief. Whether it's a death in your family, a pet, or somebody that you look up to, it's never easy to deal with. And it's really important to know how to not only support yourself if you're going through it, but also supporting others who are going through it. And I spoke about this subject with actor and sports journalist Louis Belletta, who's previously been a part of Law & Order SVU and is currently filming the reboot of Sex and the City and Just Like That with Sarah Jessica Parker. And he most recently, unfortunately, lost his Pomeranian Foxy and has been going through grief over the last few months or so. And if you, this is your first time listening to Iggy Sports Talk, you're probably thinking in your mind, well, it has sports talk in the title. So why aren't we talking about sports? Well, in each and every single episode, I really try and focus on not only the deeper aspects of sports, but also the deeper aspects of life and really shed light on subjects that, in my mind, aren't talked about enough. And a subject like grief is something that we all go through at some point in our life. And so if I'm able to help you in this episode, learn about how to deal with grief only not only in your own life, but also to help support others who are currently going through it. That's a win in my mind. And in each episode, I, I try and help you learn from other people's experiences. And so Lewis and I speak about not only the best way to support others who are dealing with grief, but also on how to support yourself and what he's really learned throughout his experience of dealing with grief. And even though this is a little bit of a more heavier subject. I think it's one that's really important. So without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Louis Belletta. I am here with actor, writer, and sports journalist, Louis Belletta. And one of the biggest reasons why I want to have you on, Louis, is not only from your experiences throughout your career, but also one of your biggest passions is helping out others through your personal experiences. And unfortunately, you most recently had a passing of of your dog, your Pomeranian Foxy, and yeah. you've really done some incredible work being able to shed light on some of your struggles with grief and, and helped others through those experiences. Yes. Um, if uh, I had to go back to that, it's, it's a grief thing that everybody has to go through one, at least once in their life. And uh, could be a human, could be a pet. And uh, yeah, I lost my dog. Uh, over three months ago and uh, every day it's, it seems like it gets harder but um, yeah she was definitely the purpose she was my purpose in, in life you know and my motor and uh, you kind of realize that when things are going on uh, when you're living those days but it gets um, much more apparent what they meant to you when that being is gone and um you have to sort of recalibrate after because the world is swept from underneath your feet your foundation is gone 
And again, going back to that word, uh, uh, purpose, man, when you're serving something other than yourself, which is, in my case, it was a dog, you know, there was my best friend, it's just like my kid. Uh, when that's gone, you have to sort of recalibrate. And uh, it's one of the hardest processes in the world. And, um, you know, those last three months of her life were the best months of my life, because I was very present, I was in the moment, like I said, I was in service and purpose to try to keep her alive. And those ended up being the best three months of my life. So um, I wanted other people to have that opportunity. So I created Foxy's Heart, which is a foundation, a campaign that raises money for families that can't afford their vet care. A lot of times people put their, their dog to sleep, their cat to sleep because they can't afford the vet care. The bills are tremendous. So uh, thank God I was afforded the ability to to keep my dog alive. And like I said, those last three months were the best of my life. And I want other people to have that. I think that's so important, especially, you know, when you don't have the financial flexibility to be able to do that, that's the toughest thing. And, and, you know, whether it's, you know, a pet or, or a family member, as you mentioned, or even just like a friend, uh, I think, you know, grief is one of the toughest things to really encounter. And, you know, when we first spoke, you know, I, I told you about how I most recently, you know, dealt with uh, two passings of my grandparents and, and you know, my, my pet hamster as well. And, you know, the toughest thing for me was, uh, you know, consoling my mom and uh, my family members after those family passings. And I'll never forget my mom said, why are we even here? If essentially mm -hmm. we're, we're going to have to deal with this, you know, year after year with multiple different people that we love. And <laughs> it was just like that whole like true question of like, why are we here? And I, I feel like these experiences make us stronger and it's not easy either. And, you know, you brought up the word purpose and I'm curious from, from your perspective, um, how is grief really connected with purpose? And it's a, it's a great question. I, Going back to the other thing, my mom said the same exact thing about grief and how, what are we here for if we're going to be suffering all mm -hmm. the time? And and it's just one hit after the next. And it's, so it's like, uh, and I'm going to get back to, to this in a second after I, 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 I uh, answer this question, because I had a good conversation with a, a pretty famous actor that, that was on set about this very, very topic. But um, how grief relates to purpose first. How grief, grief relates to purpose is, um, wow, you have to see when my grandmother died and other family members died, I used that as a sort of like awakening in the moment thing. And I was able to not only move, but move at higher speeds and with more motivation because I pictured them somewhere around an energy form, whatever you believe in. Um, and as part of me as almost helpers in the sky around me. And uh, mm -hmm. I wanted to not only honor them, but I wanted to receive their help. And that's how I used grief and that longing for them as motivation. Um, with Foxy, it was, oof, I can't really describe it, but I think uh, she was more a part of my heart um, than I ever imagined. And when you're trying to, you know, when you're trying to move forward without a motor, without your engine, it's really hard to start. It's really hard to get up out of bed, forget work, 
there is no working. Um, there's no eating. There's no working. There's no working out. None of your daily habits are the same. It's impossible. So you have to figure out a way to turn whatever your beliefs are into purpose and motivation. And, and, and man, uh, some people said, Hey, imagine your dog was watching you from above or from wherever, wherever you believe. And you have to make her proud. She would want to see you happy and do this for her, do this for her. And every day I think I woke up, I, I, I kind of like would play this mind game of, you know what? She's with me here, wherever I am, she's with me. And I want to make her happy. She doesn't want to see me uh, on the floor crying all day, withering away. So uh, I used that almost like an imagination game where she's with me all the time. And I'm pretending she's she's everywhere where I am uh, through downtimes and through, through successes and uh, trying to make purpose to to serve her but now that she's in a dip now she's in a different place but to serve her wherever she is and uh to make my dog i know it sounds funny to most people that are not pet owners but uh to make your your dog proud and and, and happy and they don't want to see you crumble well you know especially during those dark times too you know pets are a lot of those times that the ones who can really comfort you the most, you know, yeah. there's not a lot of times always, you know, when you're in those dark times or those down times where, where words will really make an impact. You just need somebody there to comfort you. And, you know, especially when you have a certain connection with, with a pet or with a person and, you know, you're not able to have them by your side the next day. That's, that's never easy. And, you, you know, I, I think what you brought up too is nightmare. Yeah. And, and being able to, you know, have that perspective and uh, that mindset of making them proud, I think is really important. And, and, you know, you, you also mentioned this, you know, earlier is, you know, during that time, you, when, when you, it was the last few months, you were present. And I think that's important with whether it's somebody, somebody is close to that point of death, or if they're not, you know, being present and enjoying every single second that you have with that loved one, with that pet, because you never know what could happen the next day. That gives you the value that educates you to the value of life and being in the moment. And those last moments in those three months were at truly absolute. That was absolute life. And sometimes it takes grief to teach you that. And sometimes it takes trauma to teach you that or pain, uh, loss. But that was the biggest teacher, at least for me, changing me completely. Um, uh, it just unbel unbelievably changed me because it shows you what really matters in life. You know, you could be out there, maybe it's with your brother or your mother, and you're sitting on a bench in a park or you're having ice cream with somebody and there is no phones, there is nothing around. And like, huh, those are the moments that matter. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, I admire you being able to, you know, speak about this and your vulnerability. And, you know, I, I, I think this is just for myself, it's a great reminder why I do this podcast. You know, it, it does have the name Iggy Sports Talk, but in, in my mindset in each and every single episode is to be able to uncover some of these tough life moments or, or 
life experiences in society to help others go through the same things. And I feel like that's, you know, what we're, what we're here to do as human beings is share our experiences and be able to use them to help others who might be going through it or to prepare them prior to when they go through it. And, you know, for yourself, I, I bet there was a part of you, at least when maybe speaking with friends or, you know, speaking about your loss or, or even leading up to it, um, the fear of being vulnerable, you know, I, I know for, you know, myself, I've, I've been around a lot of other people when, when men exude vulnerability, they get judged, they get called soft. And that doesn't really matter at all. You're a human being at the end of the day, and you should be able to show your feelings. And so what have you learned throughout that? And, and what message would you have for, for men going through grief to motivate them to want to be vulnerable and speak about more about their feelings? Um, I think, uh, you know, first off, it's like society is not set up for that right now. And um, yeah, it's getting better. People are encouraging it more, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, um, I would advise people out there to be themselves, uh, around their family first, you know, around people that you really, really love and love and care for and that trust you first. And, um, hold on. I think my microphone, let me just plug it back in. Okay. There uh, we go. There we go. Yeah. That's awesome. So I believe that you should try and keep your feelings as open and as real almost like a practice, like you're going to the gym um, around certain close people. Because I think when you do that, you give them the permission to be themselves and to be real. They mm -hmm. might want to be coming out to you as well. You might they want, maybe want some help from you. So uh, I would say to start with the people that are closest to you and and um, and be fearless and and saying what you need and or saying sharing a story. Because if you share a story with that person about your grief, your loss, that person might want to open up to you and tell you about their close grandmother who just passed two years ago. They might not have been able to talk about them to anyone, or they might talk about their ex-girlfriend mm -hmm. who cheated on them. And, you know, as your best, as their best friend, you never knew about that. And now they're coming out to you with almost uh, almost in tears. And you see another side of your friend. So I would say to just be fearless and and um, asking for so either asking for support or just telling a story. You know, um, I think the best thing people can do is um, help. Like if you're the friend of the guy that's in loss or the guy that's in grief, if you're the friend you know, don't be scared, be around that friend and try and have that friend talk mm -hmm. about what's going on. Cause a lot of time talking, talking helps. If your friend just say lost his mother, ask, ask him about the memories of his mother. He might want to make sense of his life and he might want to go down that memory lane and share those memories to keep her, her name and, and her being alive. That would be my my advice being on the other side. And, you know, I, I think with those stories, that's such a therapeutic practice because I know for myself, when, when I was going through grief from, from my recent uh, grandfather's passing, I remember it didn't fully hit me until we were at his burial and we were at his funeral. When I fully realized, you know, I said bye to him and, you know, I, I wrote, I wrote, I wrote a whole speech, but the waterworks really came, you know, when it felt real. And, 
you know, I, I think with being able to tell those stories, it helps remind you of the great moments that you had with that person rather than the somber moments that you're experiencing in that current moment. And, you know, for, for you, you know, not only through speaking about those stories and looking at those great moments, what, what tools have, you know, you really learned through your experience and from speaking with other people on how to release those feelings of grief. And cause I know that there's eight stages, yeah. but there's great tools that I bet that you figured out throughout this time as well. Yeah, I, I I feel that um integrating integrating these feelings uh is is very important, not pushing them away. That's that's the number one thing. The more you try to push these feelings away, the more they're gonna attack you. That's why they say that you have to go through the keyword through uh grief. Whether that means crying literally for hours before you even move in your bed. Uh, then that's what you got to do. Maybe it's w taking a walk outside uh, on the grass with bare feet and, you know, connecting with the universe somehow out there, pretending that your loved one is with you out there, talking with them, whatever that is, you have to sort of, you have to sort of go through that because the more you, you start to shy away from that and the more you start to, uh, the more, you, the more you push it away, the more it's going to eat you up. And it's it's just not healthy in every way possible. Uh, I think writing uh, a lot for a lot of people, writing and journaling is is really wonderful. And if you happen to have the the, the luxury of being in the arts and the performance arts, say you're a singer, uh, in my case, I'm an actor. If you're a writer, whatever it is, man, that's where the gold is. You go to that place that has affected you the most. And let's say in my case, it's it's lines and I'm saying someone else's lines and I'm talking to some girl in a scene that I don't know. I've never talked to or kissed or dated, but she's leaving me, say, in the scene. And, you know, I, I put my personalization up there and I bring all of these feelings to that set that I have and I'm willing to show that, man, that you're going to get the best art in the world and you're going to fool people around you're going to fool the person who's watching they're going to be like wow that guy has such a connection to the girl and that's what that's what art is about it's about using your your feelings and whether it be um tears of joy or tears of grief or longing or missing or loneliness or whatever it may be you bring that to your art to your singing you know, you you put your personalization up on the fourth wall on a stage where you're singing. And let me tell you, you see the difference right away in art. You bring this sort of the depth, right? Because those guys aren't magicians. You know, people don't understand. Artists are not magicians. They're just using their real life experiences. Whereas normal, the layman holds down those experiences. Mm -hmm. They push them down. They don't know how to use that on camera. They don't know how to use that in a song, Right. So artists, I feel, have an, an advantage because they can actually be vulnerable and show it. And, you know, you're, you're, you're making some money off of it. You're also creating some art off of it, you know? And, and that, that's like the most courageous thing in the world. Now, how does a normal person do that? Well, I, I think uh, I talked about it briefly with you once is, is through writing, through journaling. I think that's the most, you know, stream of consciousness. Write it down, put it on paper. It's the most cathartic thing in the world to put it on paper. Don't be scared to to write to your loved one who you miss. 
I say, just don't be scared to do any of that stuff. Do what you feel. If you want to write to them, write to them. If you want to um, write a story, you want to write a story, you know, about the th- the way you think, the way you think things should have went mm. before they passed, before that person dumped you, or before that person, whatever it is you're going through. That's what I say: is is be proactive in this and integrate it rather mm. than jump away from it. And I think, you know, especially with writing on a piece of paper rather than typing on your phone or typing on a laptop, it's yeah. it's a massive difference. And, you know, some people might be like, what? What are you talking about? But I, I don't know the exact science of it, but I heard something where it's something with, with when your hand is moving and it connects to your brain, it just you're able to contextualize it a lot better. And yeah. I, I feel like through my experiences, whether it's just journaling, uh, you know, whether it's about grief or, you know, tough times, or even I'll never forget, I was writing a letter to my friend in the army after a breakup. And I was sort of telling him everything. And I just broke down in tears out of nowhere. And you never really know how much you need it until it happens. Yeah. And, and yeah. I feel like as well, you know, with friends, we, we spoke about, you know, you know, friends being being there and the importance of having a support system. But I know for me, anytime I see, you know, a post on social media, or I get a text from somebody that they had lost someone, really, all I know to send is, I'm so sorry for your loss, my condolences. But I I, I, one thing that I feel uncomfortable about is, Uh I don't don't know if you want to talk more about it. I don't know which way to go. I don't know if you want me to support you more. And from your experience, how do you think is the best way to comfort some some somebody when they're going through grief? All right, well, you're gonna hate me for this one. <laughs> you're gonna really hate me for this one. Um, but it's good. We learn we learn from each other. You know what I'm saying? I probably do a million things that would upset you a hundred percent. There was one thing that upsets me, and that is like if I have a post up there, right, of Foxy or something, you know, and the person says, I'm sorry for your loss. That's the one thing I don't like. It's like, because you see a billion, I'm sorry for your losses, right? So I did that too. Like I used to ask my mom growing up, like, what do I say at the funeral? What do I say? She's like, sorry for your loss. That's what you get taught, right? Mm -hmm. And now that I'm in it, now that I have experienced the grief, you know, I think the best thing you can do and the best thing you can write up there uh, to help that person with their mental health at that time it goes back to what I said. It's like, I think you should engage them. I think you should really engage them, man. Tell them, feel free to post pictures of your loved one. We want to see him. We want to see her, mm-hmm. right? Feel, write something, right? Give. Can you write a story? I know you're missing. Um, I know you're missing your dad, right? I know because I have a dad. And man, if my dad died, I didn't know what, what I would do. I, I don't even know how you're feeling right now. Write that. Say, I don't know how you're feeling right now, but man, I can only imagine. Tell us, if you can, tell us about your dad. Write something about him. I, we want to hear. That is the best thing you can possibly do to someone. I think as well, you know, something as simple as I'm here for you. Reach out if you need anything. That's perfect. That is perfect. I want. I always wanted to hear that. Yeah, I'm here for you. Can you talk? Can you call me? You can call me whenever you want. You know, that's that's very that's that's the definition of of support. And I think as well, you know, uh, it, it's tough, whether in moments of grief or, or dark times, 
you feel just so alone and and to re- really be able to realize all of the amazing people that you have around you I, I think for for men as well it's it's tough to not live in, in quiet desperation and yeah. uh as well, you know, if you if you speak about some of your struggles, then there's that other part of the spectrum where, you know, people judge you and, you know, then, then you get even more scared to be vulnerable. And, you know, I when we had a conversation before this, I told you about how I wanted to post a mental health check in and speak about yeah. my, some of my struggles. I deleted it after recording, you know, six different versions and almost yeah. didn't post it because I was thinking about how others would judge me. And I just looked at myself in the mirror. I'm like, this is exactly what you try to promote against. Yes. And it's like, cause you were so hardwired. Mm-hmm. You're thinking like you, you're, you're thinking about the one or two kind of dumbbell heads out there that are like going to judge you or say something under their breath. Maybe it's not even public, but they'll, ju- you know, they're judging you at home in front of their computer. And it's like, can't get caught up on those, those, whatever, whatever you want to call You can't get caught, caught up on them. Because they're not in a good place. They probably don't like themselves. So they don't want to hear things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, just put it out there. Just put it out there and 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 be be just be open. Just be open with it. Be yourself. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think there, there's strength in uh, you know, from the school I'm in, theater, TV, film, all that, you know, you're there if you're vulnerable, that's you're considered strong. But if you are a man and vulnerable in real life, man girls will run the other way like that's what we're taught you know or whoever is gonna just you know the the red sea is gonna part and you know you you meant you just said something being authentically yourself and yeah. that's so tough in this society with comparison syndrome seeing what is happening on social media and you know for you you've you've filled a lot of different roles as an actor as a model a writer a mm-hmm. sports journalist in 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 all those different types of jobs how have you been able to make sure and check yourself that you're being authentically you, you know, yeah. obviously you're going to be playing a certain character, but at the same yeah. time, when you get off of that character, you're still authentically yourself. You're not mm-hmm. comparing yourself to different actors, models, whatever it is, yeah. and just making sure that you're showing up as you. Uh, because one thing most people don't get in the beginning is that specificity. That's the goal. So however you are more authentically yourself, it's going to translate more universal. It's kind of opposite than what we're talked, what then what's talked about. But the more you go inside yourself specific and you are specific, whether you're acting, writing, whatever, like is it anything, the more specific you are, the more, because there's stuff that you, everyone has that other people don't. So the more that you dip into that stuff, the more magic is going to come out. Right. Because in the beginning, just opposing this in the beginning, everybody is like, oh, I want to fit like they try to fit in. Mm-hmm. So they're like, I want to look like like, say, a, a sportscaster. I want to look like an actor. I want to look like this. I want to look like that. So let me do the universal thing and let me act and behave universally like other people do. Right. Well, guess what? They'll never honestly, they'll never go anywhere. The only thing that you have to do is be authentically yourself and those mm-hmm. specific things that you reach down for they actually come out and they show on a camera they show in words on paper they show in a podcast they could because then that makes you an individual mm-hmm. you're not trying to you don't come across as you're trying to fit in you come across as someone believe it or not that they at home can relate to 
I think that's the key, you know, wh whether, you know, you're on camera as a sportscaster, as an actor, whatever it is. And I, I know for myself, I, I remember saying, uh, you know, to my parents, I don't want to be just like any other person on sports on TV with a microphone. I want to use my voice to help other people and, you know, not only talk about sports, but connect, you know, real life moments in, in mental health and, and wrap it all in to be able to help others through my voice. And, uh, you know, I, with all the different roles that the, you've been in, I'm curious right. from what you see, not only in the acting space, the modeling space, but also the sports space, how mental health and that conversation has really grown over the last few years or so. I think it's tremendous. I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Um, now, like I live in New York, like now, as like 20 years ago, this would never be okay. But now I have friends that call into work that say, I need a mental health day. That's case and example right there of how things are changing. So like you cannot now, you don't have to not go to work and not work that day and say, hey, I have a stomach problem or my family member died. And you have to lie. You can mm -hmm. just say, hey, I need a mental health day. It's just like being physically injured. But now we're recognizing the mental aspect of things that, hey, some people are going through some really bad things, right? And we got to honor that, that just like they were physically incapable of coming to work or performing work. Mm -hmm. It is 1000% true. Someone's pet dies. Maybe they're... Um, uh, they got two hours of sleep the last two nights because they had so much work. You think that person is going to be able to function well the third day or fourth day after that amount of sleep at work? I mean, no, no, it, it makes no sense. So, yeah, I mean, we're starting to realize that people are human beings and we're not robots. And um, we are um, uh, people, I mean, the, over the last 10 years, I've seen people even openly talk about, hey, I'm ADD. Hey, I'm this. Hey, I'm that. Like now they're starting to like have that conversation, right? Mm -hmm. Man, I'm depressed. Like that's starting to happen, you know? So it's, a, it's a, it's a good, it's a good thing. It's a fine line too, because you don't want the other thing to happen. You don't want people to start using that as like their new sick excuses and right. they can't come to work because that, you know, you don't want that either, but uh, there's a, there's a, there's a nice healthy balance that's starting to happen. And uh, case an example, like these people that are calling on out to work, it's just saying they need a mental health day. So, that it, it's getting much, much better. It's getting much better. I, I think it's happening in sports too. Uh, we had uh, in the NBA, Andrew Wiggins, he's mm -hmm. been out. I don't, I'm an NBA writer and I still don't know the amount of games, but I think it's like 22 games he's been out. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But 22 games, he's coming back, I think today or tomorrow. Um, yeah, mentally he's not right. And he plays for the Golden State Warriors. They're the champions. Yeah. And they honored that. Steve Kerr and the organization, they honored that because you know what? His dad's going through health issues. And mm -hmm. if the dad's going through health issues, I mean, if your parents are going through health, are you going to be able to play that well unless you are on medicated on five different drugs? No, you're not going to be able to come to work every day. So mm -hmm. he obviously loved his dad a lot. And um, they, gave, they afforded him that opportunity to, to sit out. And now he's coming back for the playoffs. But, you know, these things would have never happened back when. Now they're allowing it.
And it's also nice too to see it in the media. A lot more people are being accepting of it and not, you know, judging. You know, especially some of the old folks that that are in sports media. And you know, we you know we saw Calvin Ridley do it last year. And I just saw Daniel Bard uh, in Major League Baseball. He was the first player to uh, go on the injured list with anxiety, which is something I deal wow. with anxiety, and it was really cool to see. Now that is considered an injury. But, you wow. know, one other thing that I wanted to speak to you about, you know, with with all your different roles is we, we see a lot of times people have a desire to do something, but they fear to take that leap and sort of make it happen with, with a new role and uh, don't like to get out of their comfort zone. And, and I'm curious for you, what have you learned about blocking out that fear and just going after what you want? <clears throat> Man. OK, so it's a great question. Best thing to do is just to do it. So you learn through the desensitization. I can't even pronounce the damn word. The desensitization of the process. So you're never going to lose the anxiety. Never. Every time I do my stuff or acting, the, the, when you're in front of a camera, you you have anxiety. You It's never going to let go. I know basketball players and baseball players that have anxiety before every game. The reason why is because they're human. So the the... When you do it once, twice, five times, don't start judging yourself on the fifth time. Don't start judging yourself even one year into playing the sport, being in front of the camera. Uh, don't judge yourself after one year. If you have anxiety that's crippling after one year, well, then guess what? Do it two years. Mm. And then certainly by year three, certainly by year four, you know, there's that 10,000 hours thing, right? That's that where you're a master at something. I'm telling you, even the masters have anxiety. So you learn what happens is you you have this mechanism that learns how to channel that anxiety and, and bring it back into my field, the, the actor thing, right? The best actors in the world can channel their anxiety. They channel it and guess what? Not only does it not cripple them, it helps their performance. So the best artists in the world use that anxiety. They The best athletes in the world use anxiety and fear. To perform, God, you know, God gave you that liveliness inside your body. It might make you shake. It might make you might make you go faster. You have to learn how to you. You have to learn how where to use it. You have to learn how. And everyone has to develop their own method. So the only thing you can do, right? Best thing you could do, get up in the morning, meditate, write do what you have to visualize, do all the, all your homework. I call that like your homework, right? And then show up and do that every single day, regardless of how you feel, like kind of just know the anxiety is going to be there, but you learn how to deal with and use the anxiety. And that's my best, that's the best advice I could give to like a performer, an athlete, whatever it may be, just use, learn how to use it. And sometimes that anxiety can be adrenaline, especially if you're able to change your perspective towards that. Of course, you could turn you could turn that anxiety into anything because that's energy. So you could turn that anxiety. You could flip a switch and be angry off that if you're on a if you're in a scene. You could flip a switch, uh, be angry. You could use that for like aggression and anger on the court, on the basketball court. You can use that in every single way possible, and. Uh, um, Man, I, I, I like there's not words for it, but I, I definitely the anxiety in scenes, and I feel like, I feel like I'm, I'm better now. I'm better because of the anxiety. It's a weird thing. I know it sounds crazy, but 
Um, thank God that 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 shakiness is there before because I right. you it, that that signal in my body it makes me focus in more. When I feel that shivery, I focus in more, and I feel like I live better on camera than I live in real life. I know it's crazy. I know. And uh, but I also think too, like being able to you brought up those affirmations and yeah. being able to help program your mind and help you know sort of you know delusionally make yourself believe that you can do it. Like I, I am comfortable on camera, like yes. just using the, I am phrases with, with already what you want to believe, even if you don't believe it in the exact moment, if you just say it over and over again, the anxiety is going to start to trickle away and you're going to start believing more in yourself and believing more in that idea. But this has been an incredible conversation, Lewis. And I I know Thank for you. you know people starting off, you know, the episode probably had some tears in their eyes and now they're probably ready to just run yeah. through a brick wall and, and motivation yeah, yeah. and inspiration. Uh, but I, I know that you also uh wanted and are working on making Foxy's Heart uh, a nonprofit organization. And, and for anybody who wants to support that cause and support everything that you're doing right now, whether it's Foxy's Heart or whether it's you know your other roles as an actor or as a journalist, how can they do all that? Um, Foxy's Heart, you type that in uh, Foxy's Heart and then my name, Louis Paletta on Google and it'll come in. It's a GoFundMe campaign and that, like I said, that helps families that can't afford to pay for their vet bills. Um, that gives them the opportunity to save their dog or cat and uh, that's there. Maybe we can include a link or some something. I don't know. I'll give you I'll give you the link because it's easier to do it that way. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it'll be in the description. I, yeah, on me, it's, on me, it's uh, uh, my name, Louis Edward Paletta on Instagram and Facebook, I'm the same. Uh, but more importantly, man, forget about me. It, it, it's the, the Foxy's heart organization is, is really important to me. And I'm not asking you guys to donate, don't have to donate anything. I just would love you to take that link and just share it. And it speaks for itself. So I, I just want her na name to, to, to live on. And we're, we're going to help make sure that that does happen. I, I really appreciate you speaking about this, Lewis, and, and for, you Thanks. know, being vulnerable throughout this conversation to, you know, really be able to help others throughout your experience. But uh, it was a pleasure, my man. Well, it was a pleasure talking to you. This is one of the best interviews I've ever did. So uh, I love talking about this and, and uh, you're doing a great job. So I'll continue to be a fan and uh, I, appreciate I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. I hope that you did enjoy my conversation with Louis Belletta and got a little bit more insight on not only how to deal with grief with yourself, but also how to support others who are dealing with grief. And I hope that you enjoy episodes like this where I don't always focus on sports and feel inspired from an episode like this. And it's really able to help you learn about how to deal with subjects that, in my mind, aren't talked about enough in our society and ones that are difficult just in our everyday life. And I'm going to try and continue to do that with each and every single episode. And if you want to tune in for future episodes, I post bi-weekly over on YouTube or whatever audio platform that you're listening to currently right now. So you can subscribe over on YouTube, like I mentioned, or you know Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, really wherever you find your podcast, Iggy Sports Talk is over there. And if you want to support the amazing organization that Lewis has called Foxy's Heart, which is shining light 
on pet families that need veterinary care for their beloved pets. I'll put that link in the description. And I know that he would really appreciate any support that you could offer. But as always, I greatly appreciate tuning in to Iggy's Sports Talk. And as I said, I hope this episode helped you in some way, shape, or form. That's my goal with each and every single episode. But I'll see you and talk to you next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.